not about what the outside world thinks. It's about what does you know what do you have in that room, and the best man wins, and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but but we as coaches do. A fresh edition of the Outside World starts right now. I'm John Hayes, of course. You can follow me at John Hayes on air on Twitter and joined always by on this Monday free episode of the Outside World by Jason Kersey, our athletic Oklahoma beat writer and insider. Jason, what's going on, my friend? Oh, not much, you know, just uh, still recovering from the awesome, uh, amazingly close football game that I saw yesterday. Man, it, it was a it was a barn burn. It came it was. down to what uh, the last possession in the fourth quarter. It came down to the last possession, in, or I guess it would have come down to like the second possession in the first quarter. So oh yeah. okay, I'm just looking yeah. at the score now. Let's see, <laughs> uh, OU seventy, South Dakota uh, fourteen. Uh, not much of a football game, but but nonetheless, I mean, if you're an OU fan, you're feeling good after that week one big time win over Houston and you've got an easy cupcake week two Jason tell me like about your weekend in general what was it like covering the squad this weekend everybody knew it was going to be a win going in but but what could Oklahoma take from this football game other than obviously the the result on the scoreboard well you know what I kind of wrote for the athletic uh, last night was generally that just about any great stat that came out of this game, whether it's Jalen Hurts' amazing numbers or, you know, the 700-plus yards of total offense, et cetera, you could sort of put an asterisk by it because it's an FCS team. And it's not just an FCS team. It's, it's a below-average FCS team. So you have a legitimate college football playoff contender going up against a below-average FCS team. I mean, you have to kind of weigh that a little bit. And so, um, so that, that's kind of how I think of it, uh, when it comes to this game. But, but I also do think there are some good things you can take out of this from Oklahoma. And, and there are some bad things too, that we can get to a little bit later, but I would start with the takeaways. You know, Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator has talked about takeaways relentlessly nonstop. It's like his obsession since he was hired in January and they got three of them against South Dakota uh, now, some people may, again, put that asterisk next to it, but I would say that, you know, they didn't get any against Houston in week one and the turnovers that they did get were, were, were kind of the sort of turnovers Alex Grinch talks about one, you know, they forced a t- they forced a fumble and they, they landed on it. They jumped on it and they got it back. They Buki Radley Hiles had a ball thrown right at him and he intercepted it and ran it back for a touchdown as opposed to, uh, you know, you think about last year against TCU, he Buki Bradley Hiles dropped a very similar play uh, that, that could have been returned for a touchdown and he just dropped it. And that was sort of like a microcosm of the rough season that Buki had last year. And so there are these little things that you can take out of it. And then uh, the, the other thing I would say is, they played 81 players yesterday. 81 players played for Oklahoma yesterday. It, again, it was against South Dakota. It was a team that was grossly overmatched. But 81 players got on got onto Owen Field, got to play, got some game experience, and that is unquestionably a good thing. I'll say this, Jason, as far as Oklahoma's schedule is concerned, and you know me, I've been – 
pretty much ruthless about scheduling and, and power five football and how I feel like playing FCS opponents is, is, is not good for anybody. But I, I do feel the need to give OU credit for scheduling Cincinnati week one and scheduling UCLA week three. When a game like this kind of is hey 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 John John I'm gonna have to cut you off it was Houston I'm sorry excuse one. me Houston uh, Houston week one and then all of a sudden you've got UCLA on on week three uh, right in the, you sandwich this game in the middle here Jason and for me I, I can sort of understand and, and overlook the idea of scheduling an FCS game what is what is Oklahoma's scheduling philosophy and as far as how did this game get on the schedule are they interested in playing FCS opponents like this down the road and how, how does that all come together well you know Oklahoma has only played four FCS opponents since Joe Castiglione became athletic director in 1998 and so this is not something that happens very often they do have a couple on the schedule over the next few years as well. But I mean, I think that, you know, the, these sorts of things happen. I mean, in college football scheduling, sometimes things fall through and it sounds like that's what happened in this case. There was something, there was a power five uh, opponent that Joe Castiglione has declined to identify uh, that uh, backed out of a, of a deal that, that was almost signed for this week. And so they end up sort of having to scramble, and they, they end up with South Dakota on the schedule. So, I mean, I think OU fans can be very – should consider themselves very fortunate that this doesn't happen very often. They typically play uh, either group of five programs that, you know, that, you know are, are decent or are good or are not so good, but at least they're sort of FBS opponents, or they play Power 5 schools. And so this was a very rare incident of a game like this. These, these things just don't happen very often. And so um, you, you kind of have to, to, to remember that, I think, when people are frustrated with, with this game. I mean, I, I, uh, there, there's probably no easier way, John, that I can score points on this podcast with OU fans than by um, crapping on the SEC. But I, I, but, but I do have to say, you know, OU doesn't play an FCS opponent every November no. the way that most SEC schools right. do. And by the way, they played more conference games as well. That's true too. And I'm telling you, that's why, you know me, I've covered the SEC for a long time. And, and one of my biggest pet peeves with the conference, Jason, is, is simply that they don't play nine conference games. And I think they should. And, and, and because of uh, the lack of the conference game on the schedule, you get more of these South Dakota games on SEC schedule. So that's why I'm, I'm giving Oklahoma credit in this situation. They've got this game right. <laughs> sandwiched in between two legitimate out-of-conference opponents. I, I love it. I uh, I, I loved, uh, and, and we're getting a little bit off topic here, but I have to say I loved Nick Saban's uh, response to that reporter yesterday who asked about scheduling with New Mexico State. And he, he basically said, well, I have no power. Why don't you do something about it? And I'm like, come on, you're Nick Saban. You have some power. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got no power. Nick, you could reschedule every game on the schedule next year if you really wanted to. Right. <laughs> so. I, oh, you. I, of course, I, I've got to I've got to talk about some guys with you, Jason, um, because. Yeah, we're going to start to get to know the offense pretty well, the 2019 version, as far as the, the Sooners are concerned. And I, I'm starting to see this relationship and this camaraderie between Jalen Hurts and, and C.D. Lamb. And it's two games now where, where Jalen's throw the ball, thrown the ball incredibly well. And 
you, you see a guy like CeeDee Lamb who we know can do incredible things on the outside. Take us like into that relationship between those two, and you know we we saw D.D. Westbrook and we saw Baker Mayfield at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I'm not, I, and I'm not, of course I'm not trying to play, place those expectations on these guys, but I'm starting to see uh, quite the relationship uh, start to bloom as far as a, a a throwing and pass catching relationship. It's kind of interesting with C.D. Lamb because you know last year C.D. Lamb's first game. Um, was against Florida Atlantic, and he didn't really do that much. And then in the second game against UCLA, he kind of exploded. And I sort of saw the same thing happen this year. Now, obviously, South Dakota and UCLA are different programs and very different programs, but but it's sort of interesting that two years in a row he's had sort of a somewhat tepid opener followed by a really big second game. And I say tepid opener. He caught a 45-yard touchdown in the first game, but that was he had one other catch that I think went for one yard. And so th- this game was sort of more typical C.D. Lamb. And then there was a play in the first quarter where he caught a pass that I don't think anybody thought he had any chance to catch. And that's the sort of stuff that separate cd lamb i think from a lot of other people i mean this is a special special receiver and i think jalen hurts knows that he's a very very special receiver cd lamb has talked before about how jalen hurts tried to recruit cd lamb to alabama a few years ago i mean i think they work very well together i think they have a good relationship and cd lamb is i mean he's one of the best receivers in the country and Uh, You know, at at this point, everybody sort of knows that. I think the more interesting thing with Oklahoma receivers is what's going on behind him. You have Charleston Rambo, who had another really solid game. But then you have those three five-star receivers that all signed with Oklahoma in this last recruiting class. And all three of them scored a touchdown in this game yesterday. And they all looked pretty smooth doing it. So it sort of makes you wonder... Who's going to be that number two guy? That's the thing I'm the most interested in. C.D. Lamb is the best receiver on this team. It's not even close. He's one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the country. But who's going to be that number two guy? Jalen Hurts knows he can count on C.D. Lamb. But who else can he count on? It's a good question, and it's why a game like this is really fun to go out there. If you are an OU fan, you know, see what skill position players have the ability to step up. I think that that's what separates college football from from the NFL. You have games like this where you can take a look deep um, down into your depth chart to find out who wants to step up on a Saturday and, and earn some playing time. Jason, one other thing that I that I really wanted to get your thoughts on as you're watching the national picture play out on a college football Saturday um, is where where you think OU fits in into the national picture because. You saw what what Texas and LSU put out there on the field Saturday night in Austin, and you saw an LSU team all of a sudden that that maybe uh, could compete with Alabama in the SEC West. But you also saw a Texas team that that looked like they were maybe as good as they were last year, a team that gave uh, Oklahoma a great game in that Big 12 championship game. Uh, where does OU fit into the national picture right now in your mind after seeing everybody else and and, and a, a, another uh, a bunch of big games, Michigan, Ohio State, you talk about Clemson, Texas A&M. What did you learn as far as where OU fits into that picture now? I mean, it's still so early that it, I, I think it's a little bit hard to tell definitively, but, I mean, that's what we do, right? We, we, we discuss these things, so I'll try to do my best. I mean, 
Uh, I I still think that Oklahoma is a top four team. Um, I I think that they they belong up there in that Clemson, Alabama, Georgia sort of realm. Ohio State. I think those five teams. You know, I saw today that that in the new. Um, I think it was AP poll. Did the AP poll come out today? I I, yes. I, I think I saw in, in the AP poll that Oklahoma had dropped behind LSU after yesterday, and I, I, I don't know that I agree with that, and, and uh, j- just because you, you talk about LSU being able to compete with Alabama. I, I'm kind of at a point with LSU where I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, they went down and beat Texas in Austin, and that's great. Uh, Texas is also a team that hasn't won the Big 12 championship since 2009 and has been sort of up and down, more down than up in the last decade. So we'll see. Um, I mean, when was uh, LSU hasn't beaten Alabama? And, you know, I I haven't followed the SEC as closely as you have, but Bama has beaten LSU eight straight times. Eight straight times. So that, that that's what I'm saying. Like I, I I'm I kind of am at a point with LSU and right or wrong, I'll believe it when I see it. When they beat Alabama, when they actually play a really competitive game with Alabama, I'll believe it. But you know, last year I kind of thought LSU had a shot, and then they just sort of got smoked at home. So I, I I'm not there yet with LSU. I I still think Oklahoma's made the playoff two years in a row. They seem to have their offense really humming with Jalen Hurts, and you know. Obviously, they played two pretty bad defenses in a row, and and we'll see how things progress moving forward. But I am not ready to put LSU into that top four yet. And so uh, short of that, I mean, I think that the top five, in my opinion, would be Clemson, uh, not necessarily this order, but just sort of these five teams, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State. And then beyond that, I, you know, I, I just don't think there's anybody else that I would put in in that realm just yet you mentioned the ap poll did come out uh sunday by the way and it is uh exactly in that order clemson number one alabama two uh georgia three lsu as you mentioned slides in at number four and then oklahoma five ohio state six and then notre dame of course notre dame gets a bump up in the polls um the weekend they're not playing any football Notre Dame will be ranked in the t- – I mean, every year. It's just – it is it is what it is. Notre Dame and Texas get more benefit of the doubt than any team I've ever – you know, than any team ever. Every year, it's that way. So, that just is what it is, and we'll just have to sort of let that play out. LSU and, and Joe Barrow, what a story that was, Jason. I know that you, want, you don't want to give them, like, as far as a chance in the national scene quite yet, and I agree, by the way. It's just like, yeah, you have to see them go and, and play well against um, those big-time rivalry opponents in the SEC West. But I'll give LSU the credit for this, by the way, and that is that for years we've heard about how this team was going to change its offensive identity, and finally it has. Uh, they've got a quarterback that can throw the football around the field. So I think maybe while we're looking at LSU in our normal prism that we tend to look at them in as far as, oh, here's a good, tough team that's going to play defense, going to ground and pound, and maybe give Bama a 21-7 to game uh, every single November. As we look at them, maybe we can kind of change our, our viewpoint and say, this team's a little bit different now. They can drop 40 on you. So maybe that throws a little bit of a wrench into uh, this college football season. I'm not sure. Maybe. I'm um, Certainly maybe. I mean, 
I, I don't remember when LSU's offense looked like this. So uh, I, I will be interested in following them down the road. I guess I'm just I'm trying to be somewhat um, conservative or careful about about how I view all this. I mean, it is just week two, and if Joe Burrow can do that to Texas's defense. It makes me wonder what Lincoln Riley and Jalen Hurts can do to that Texas defense here in a few weeks in the Cotton Bowl. So uh, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, look, I think it'd be great if LSU challenged Alabama or even beat Alabama. I think it'd be great. I mean, LSU is one of those teams that it feels like they should be in that SEC West conversation every year, but they just haven't in so long. No, they haven't, and maybe this is the year to, to, to do it. But either way, I think Ed Orgeron, just like Lincoln Riley is, both of those guys, new coaches uh, within the last two or three years, four years in college football, and both of them have, have brought a breath of fresh air, and, and both of those guys are having tremendous uh, early success currently um, at their universities. You know, I, I wanted to get back into um, some discussion about what we saw on the field this past Saturday. I wanted to kind of save it to the end of the pod because I know maybe a lot of people, Jason, but I know some diehard OU ha- uh, fans that are hanging out with us today want to hear about uh, some backup quarterback play. But I think that's important. I think that's something that uh, I know you kept your eye on uh, this past weekend. Um, I know a lot of people uh, wanted to see what Spencer Rattler could do out, out on the field. And by the way, he was perfect, four for four, 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so there's going to be uh, some hype. Tanner Mordecai as well, six of eight, 114 yards and, and two touchdowns. We're going to talk about Jalen Hurts a ton on this podcast, but for those diehard OU fans, like let's break down the backup quarterback situation right now. I know you witnessed them both on Saturday. Uh, what do you think about both the guys? Well, I mean, I think this game was sort of viewed – for, for the last several weeks, OU fans sort of looked at this game as this is when we're going to get to see Spencer Rattler because Tanner Mordecai was named the backup quarterback behind Jalen Hurts. So, you know, in, in garbage time moving forward and, you know, if Jalen Hurts' helmet falls off on one play, whatever, Tanner Mordecai is going to be the one to come in probably. And uh, so this was the game when they could finally see Spencer Rattler, the number one quarterback recruit in the 2019 class, the highest ranked quarterback recruit to sign with Oklahoma since 2004. This was the game when you could finally see him. So they got to see him and he looked pretty good. I mean, again, uh, you know, I hate to keep harping on this, but you kind of need an asterisk next to it. It was South Dakota. Um, but Spencer Rattler got to play for a while for, for a few series. He was perfect. As you said, through a touchdown pass, Tanner Mordecai was interesting to me because, you know, Tanner Mordecai came out. His first pass was really bad. It was like into the dirt. It it was almost like a, you know, sort of in that moment, I, I would imagine there are some OU fans who sort of groaned when they saw that and, and thought, Oh, come on. Was he really in this quarterback battle with, with Jalen hurts? And of course he wasn't. I mean, let's be real about that. I I, I don't think that there was any chance he was actually going to start. But he ended up having a pretty nice game. I think he finished six of eight. I mean, that's pretty good. Um, by the way, I I uh, this is a little bit off topic, but I have to say that you know last year we heard that Austin Kendall was in the battle with Kyler Murray, and it went all the way to the end and all that stuff. And Austin Kendall looked pretty terrible yesterday against Missouri at West Virginia. So I I would hope that we can kind of put that one to bed, that Austin Kendall was actually in that quarterback battle 
when you look at, uh, at at what Kyler Murray ended up doing, what Austin Kendall looked like yesterday. And I'm not saying that Tanner Mordecai is Austin Kendall in this case, but because um, obviously we're talking about different circumstances. But, man, uh, Austin Kendall has not had a good start to his West Virginia career. Man, did the Mountaineers even show up yesterday to Columbia, Missouri, Jason. My goodness, it was 28 nothing before you could blink. And Mizzou, after coming off of a, a, a terrible week one loss uh, themselves on the road at Wyoming, uh, they were in, in the mood for a bounce back, and, and they sure uh, got it against the former OU QB. Jason, it, it's, it's great to see you know, all these, these backups get some PT, and, and that's why these games are great. And I got to give a, sh- a special shout-out because I'm going to keep mentioning my guy on the pod anytime I, I can, uh, Jason, and that's my guy Jeremiah Hall. He, he scored another tutty. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I told you, those two had uh, a little bit of chemistry. It was something that I was looking at after that game against Houston. He's got four catches on the season, Jeremiah Hall does, and now he has two touchdowns. I, I kind of want to see how this plays out because once you start circling a guy that starts to has, have success in the red zone, you start to see a pattern emerge, and it, it repeats itself. So is Jeremiah Hall, what type of red zone – target or threat or secret weapon is he uh, for Oklahoma, Jason? Well, the thing we uh, really all we can go on is what we've seen the last two weeks and he scored two touchdowns. So, so far, so good. I would say, I mean, um, you know, uh, I, I think I talked about this a little bit last week, but I mean, he's sort of the latest in this line of fullbacks that have, that have sort of uh, been these unsung heroes in the Oklahoma offense from Seth Luttrell to J.D. Runnels to Dimitri Flowers, Aaron Ripkowski, uh, you know, Trey Millard, all, all these sorts of guys uh, through the years. And, and Jeremiah Hall seems like that latest guy. But, you know, I don't remember any of those guys catching touchdowns in their, you know, in, in two straight games right, right out of the gate in the season. So, um, I think people are pretty excited. You know, I also have to say, and, and this may be a little bit inside baseball, but I, I, I do want to say that Jeremiah Hall came into the interview room for the first time last week. And it's always like one of my favorite things when we get to talk to the, to these guys we've never gotten to talk to before, because it's always interesting to see sort of how they handle the interview situation, the scrum, um, all, all of that sort of thing. And Jeremiah Hall was great. And I'm looking forward to many more, uh, interview opportunities with him because I think he seems like a pretty, pretty good guy to talk to. Pretty, pretty smart. Um, sort of falls into that same category as as some of those guys I mentioned before. I mean, to play that position in Oklahoma's offense, especially under Lincoln Riley, you have to be a really smart guy. You have to be really tough. You have to be completely willing to sacrifice the glory most of the time. And I say most of the time because Jeremiah Hulk has caught two touchdowns. And that's what it's all about. If you're going to be a guy who's working hard, playing fullback, playing that H-back position, it's always nice to see uh, somebody like that uh, cash in uh, towards the end zone. And, and I know I bet you a bunch of his buddies on the offensive line uh, love that as well. Remember, you're listening to The Outside World. This is the, the free episode each week. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcast. Uh, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you should do that, by the way, because you get the bonus episode every week of The Outside World. You can do that at theathletic.com slash world. And, and Jason, uh, these bonus episodes so far, by the way, um, have been 
uh, phenomenal. Teddy Lehman on the show, uh, Justin Justice Hansen as well. Um, talk to us about uh, really what what you've been working on there and, and how this interview series is coming together. Yeah, I mean, th- this is kind of what I wanted. And, you know, I remember us having a conversation about this, John, sort of what my vision was of, of what I wanted this podcast to be, or at least somewhat uh, of this podcast to be. And, you know, I, I, I really like, and I like podcasts where people go in depth with people where they talk, maybe ask them questions they haven't been asked before, get them to loosen up a little bit and, and talk in a more informal way. And, uh, you know, we've only done two of them and, and, uh, you know, but, but, but I really feel good about what we've done so far. Uh, Teddy Lehman was awesome. He was a great first guest. Teddy and I, uh, go way back. I've been on his radio show a bunch of times and, and, uh, we've gotten, uh, to be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty close in a lot of ways. And then, uh, you know, Justice Hansen is just a fascinating guy. I mean, he, he showed up as a true four-star true freshman, one of the best, uh, quarterbacks in the country, according to the recruiting rankings, but he happened to, uh, arrive on campus at around the same time, um, as this guy you may have heard of named Baker Mayfield, who was a walk-on from Texas Tech. So, um, so he ends up leaving and he was very open about how Baker won the job, why he decided to leave. Um, I was really, really, uh, interested in, in some of the things Justice had to say. So that's what I want the the uh, second episode, the bonus episode for subscribers every week to be, and uh, and I'm glad that so far it's worked out, and uh, I'm going to work hard to make yeah, sure. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a, it's a great idea, way. and it's something that I think what uh, the subscribers of the Athletic have come to expect from from you and your coverage of OU football. It's not just about the X's and O's. Uh, on the field, I think you've done a really nice job of going off the field with with people involved with with the Sooner program currently, uh, maybe in the past or, or or maybe even in the future. You know, I think there's a lot of of recruits that Lincoln Riley has his eye on as well that maybe um, we'll take a look at this year um, on the podcast. So, oh, you fans, you can you can really come to expect that from from that subscriber only show. So so remember, you just go to theathletic.com slash the outside world and you can get forty percent off there Jason let's sprint it forward my friend uh, we're heading into week three believe it or not uh, this college football season um, almost a quarter of the way done as we roll in to week three on the schedule it happens so quickly after we just wait what it feels like a century uh, every single off uh, off season for this great sport that we love uh, but we roll into week three um, Oklahoma has a a matchup with UCLA uh, talk to me about that Jason I, I I see it as an easy win for the Sooners you, you see UCLA and you think Chip Kelly and all of a sudden you go you know what uh, maybe this could be a tough game but the way it sits on the schedule this year and uh, UCLA having such a poor start uh, and now a year and two games under Chip Kelly I think it should be an easy W for the Sooners it should be and I expect it will be the only thing is, the the only thing that I would say about this game, and yeah, I mean, they've looked just atrocious through two games. Uh, Oklahoma should win this game going away. I feel like for a lot of people, it's probably really hard to sort of fathom how difficult that first road trip will be in that, you know, just figuring out your schedule for the week, uh, flying uh, across the country, uh, you know, being in a hotel, all of those sorts of things that you know, these guys have never done before. I mean, a lot of them have played high school football. They never had to do it this way. 
I, I, I recognize UCLA is a bad team. They're a really bad team. OU's going to win this game fairly easily, I, I would imagine. I think the line today I saw was 17 uh, in one book and maybe 20 in another, which is just – Me too. I, I, I think let's, it'll let's, be more let's than Let's go to that. the window I think as OU quick should as we win this game. Can. I mean – yeah, I mean, I think OU should win this game pretty, pretty handily. I, I'm just interested to see in what some of the young guys are able to do on their first road trip. And so uh, that's that's what I'll be looking at. Um, Jalen Hurts should not have a hard time putting up another big statistical game, um, sort of continuing his march towards Oklahoma's third straight Heisman. I mean, we'll see, but, you know, so far so good uh, in, in that regard. But... Uh, that that's the only thing to me about this game that is uh, going to be maybe difficult for OU because in terms of talent, in terms of the matchup, yes, o, OU should win this I, game. I'm jealous of, of you, and the reason why is because you're heading out to Pasadena, California, and, and you're going to be at the Rose Bowl covering this football game. And the, that to me is the mecca, Jason, of college football. So – Forget about who they're playing. Uh, forget about all that. It's 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 about just being there in that mm-hmm. building this Saturday. So I've been there one time. Yeah, I've been there. I, once I certainly before. have. have you been there, friend. John? Is, you been to Rose Bowl? It is. <laughs> and I'm telling you, as I sit here today, today, and I think about college football, and you'll, as 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 you know, the, the listeners get to know me and how I feel about the sport. Uh, the Rose Bowl to me sometimes means more than the national championship game. I mean, the Rose Bowl. I'll put it this way. I'd never been to the Rose Bowl until two two years ago, almost two years ago, when Oklahoma played Georgia out there in that classic uh, game, Baker Mayfield's last college game. And the, the everlasting image of that of that to me, and uh, the, the, I'm sorry if this sounds cheesy, but it probably will, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, I got to the Rose Bowl. You know, I've been watching college football my whole life, never been there before. You know, pulling up, seeing the Rose Bowl sign, seeing the stadium. But then you get in the press box. I will never forget this moment. It's one of those moments that sort of burned in my mind. We got there sort of before the fans got in. I'm in the press box. You look out over the mountains. It's just, it was just totally beautiful outside. And uh, the stadium PA was playing that ELO song, Mr. Blue Sky. And it was so oh, yeah. perfect. Like it was just so perfect like everything about it and i know that sounds incredibly cheesy but i'll own it uh it it was perfect and now i you know when i have the radio on and that song comes on i just think about that image of that stadium uh of of those mountains of that sky it's just perfect i i love the rose bowl i love it so much jason there are some ou fans for the first time uh making the journey out to uh the holy ground that is uh, Pasadena and, and the Rose Bowl so maybe this will be the first time they can they can soak that up and and enjoy and and that's why these out-of-conference games by the way if you're gonna schedule them please schedule them as home and homes so you can experience what it's like to be on campus somewhere else in the country rather than just again at AT&T Stadium in Dallas Texas or at Mercedes-Benz Superdome uh, in, in Louisiana or the stadium in, in Atlanta, these campus experiences or these, these hometown experiences, of course, the Rose Bowl is not on UCLA's campus, but still it's in within the city of Los Angeles. These hometown experiences are really what college football is all about. 
And, uh, you know, I would say that next year OU plays at oh, wow. West Point at Army. And that's going to be very – that I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm not sure OU is looking <laughs> forward story. to that after what we saw yesterday. And last um, year. You know, last year OU, OU went to overtime with Army. And then yesterday Michigan went to overtime with Army. So, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a, of a concerning uh, thing, but – I think it's pretty cool. You know, there were a lot of rumors and, and uh, you know, sort of early scuttlebutt that OU, might pl- OU and Army might play that game um, at, uh, at the Giants and Jets Stadium. And I was really hoping that wasn't true. And as it turned out, they ended up getting it done, and they are playing it on the West Point campus, and I can't wait for that. I mean, that's exactly like you said. I mean, man, that, that kind of stuff is what college football is all about. And that's, uh, that's why – you know, I hope there is a way, and, and this, I mean, no disrespect to South Dakota. I, I really don't. I mean, I know that they, they got their check, and, and they got probably a pretty cool experience for those players, but I really think that we need to find a way to make college football scheduling um, more like it usually is for OU, where they're playing your Tennessees, your UCLAs, your Armies, your um, – uh, you know, th- th- those sorts It'd be of great games. To see out of Oklahoma conference. and Penn State get together uh, with a home and home. Uh, I'm a Penn State alum. Uh, it's, Man, that, it's w- certainly that would be Penn a State cool has, one. Yeah, has gone out and started to schedule some some interesting matchups. They've they've got an, a home and home with Auburn coming up within the next four years. So to me, that's what's what's so great about college football. And we will, Jason, get into this discussion as as this podcast rolls on throughout the season about like the college football playoff and about these matchups throughout the country and, and how often or how uh, not often really we get to see some of our favorite uh, matchups in, in college football. Remember, this is the outside world. I'm John Hayes, uh, Jason Kersey, the athletics beat writer and insider. He'll be here with you every Monday on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts for free. He will also be with you every Thursday for a bonus episode of the outside world exclusively on the athletic if you go to www.theathletic.com slash the outside world you can find that bonus episode there until next time jason it's always a pleasure uh chatting with you and we've got ucla coming up uh expect a three and oh start for the sooners and after that uh it's, it's time to get down to business yeah, and thanks to you, John, as always, for, for joining me on this. It's been really fun so far, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to yeah seeing how, how the season plays out for the Sooners.